buttery yellow popcorn. So light and fluffy, you'll get carried away. Only the best quality corn. Welcome back to Buttered Pop, the podcast where we talk about the TV and movies that keep our fingers buttery and our eyes glued to the screen. I'm Armin. And I'm Anthony, a.k.a. Not That Dude, a.k.a. The Night Rider, a.k.a. your second favorite podcast co-host. What's happening? Is Night Rider new? No, Night Rider's an old one. It's like that, would, that used to be one of those like when I would go meet up with some friends. And uh, they'd be like, uh, they'd be like, where are you at? And I'd be like, oh, Knight Rider is inbound. Or Knight Rider is, is like, it's like a, it's like a playoff of a old CB call sign. You know what I mean? You familiar with, you familiar with like CB culture and shit like that? No. There's this whole nomenclature of people that like drive across, truckers use it a lot. But there's this whole like separate language for like people who use CB radios. Like things like Breaker Breaker, you know what I mean? And like. There's a whole lingo to it. And so that Night Rider for like my planned cross country like road trip was gonna be my like it was either gonna be that or Afro Thunder. I feel like having gone out with you quite a few times, it's not uncommon for you to roll in, not late necessarily, but there was never a time in which it wasn't possible for you to roll in. Like even if it was like twelve forty five AM 1 a.m., you would stop by and make an appearance. So I feel like the Night Rider, it makes a lot of sense. Like, <laughs> you don't have to be there, you know, at nine o'clock call time, you know, if you will. I mean, you'll, like, you'll I, ride through the night, but you know what? You could also call yourself the Night Writer because I'm, you're a writer. That's a dad joke. You're not allowed, <laughs> that's a dad joke. You're not allowed that. I'm supposed to have the dad jokes, not that's you. That's true. That's true. <laughs> But it, I feel like it, that would work as well. I mean, yeah. it would. It would. I do. I do. I do my best writing at night. You were correct. Boom. So, so that, after you roll through to the bars and you get home, oh, dude, you get to the writing. There's no rolling through to the bars anymore, man. I, I I haven't I haven't done like a late night bar move in a very long time. I can't keep up, dog. Like I'm tired by like ten o'clock. That's why you're no longer young Lando. Oh, dog. I, man, I'm not. I told you. I told you. You thought I was bullshitting. I don't. I tell no lies, my friend. Uh, do you have a new nickname for me? Oh, man. Um, still maestro, still mayor. Uh, you know what? I got I got something cooking. I Ooh. got something cooking, but I need to, I need to like fine tune it. Next week, I'm going to have the new nickname for you. Oh, I love be, it. It's going to be copyrighted. One, two, three. You know, with the C and the circle and the T with the circle, you know, copyright, trademark. A little IP, TM. All that stuff. Let's get it. Let's go. I can't wait. Um, I'm very excited for our t- our first topic, Pink. It, I, mean, I, look, I feel like look. it's one of the few things that we will always agree on. And that is that we will always be insanely excited for David Simon project. Oh, David Simon. David Simon is like, I, I, I've never, I haven't watched this David Simon show where I've been like, this is whack. Like he always brings it, and I mean, he's got a new project coming out. The trailer dropped last week. Um, do you want to dive into a little bit 
about it. What's the what's the name of the show? I don't even remember what the name of the show was. We own this city, and what's really cool about it is that we're back in Baltimore because yeah. obviously uh, David Simon did Treme after. The Wire, which was about uh, post-Katrina New Orleans. Mm-hmm. He also did Show Me a Hero, um, that was which was about great. Yonkers. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like there was something else in there at some uh, point. Did, oh, uh, Deuce. He did the Deuce. Deuce, right. Which was uh, another New York, York show. Which is about New York City. I mean, look. So to see him back in Baltimore, and that's where he was a journalist. That's where he won his Pulitzer Prize. And that's I love where it. he made The Wire. Absolutely. The best show ever made. Oh, um, I, I mean, I'm right there with you. For me, you know, it's the best show of all time. Some people argue Sopranos. I feel like it's Sopranos versus The Wire. Like, high level, like broadly speaking, it's those yeah, two shows. I, I mean, people always have their their tastes, their own of personal course, taste. Of course. But, that's the big debate, you know, I feel like amongst like most critics and TV watchers. Have you tried watching The Sopranos again lately? Yeah, I, I watched it during the pandemic. I rewatched did it, it. Did it still hold up for you? I, I enjoy it. I think it's entertaining. I definitely feel like it takes a big quality dip yeah. from season three on. Okay. But, but it's I mean, a good like, time. And, and they, James Gandolfini's unbelievable as Tony Soprano. Rest in peace. One of the best performances of all time regardless of what was happening around him yeah, regardless no of you no know i think there. of plot issues <laughs> for a while there no um, argument there. that's why i stand with the wire it's consistency even though yes season five wasn't as good i think we could all agree um as the rest of the seasons but seasons one through four they are all perfect seasons in my I mean, view. People, season five gets a bad rap, but it, I, if you name a show that lasts for more than a few seasons that actually gets to have its finale, it's not the worst finale. I actually like the finale a lot. Um, I think my issue with season five is that the media is very one note and very one dimensional. Yeah. They are so villainous. And I understand why David Simon, you know, went that direction. And I think he even has spoken about it. Um, it was just too personal for him. Yeah. Like he I was mean, dude, he, he was, was so upset at those writers who were um, taking advantage of the system and just trying to uh, report for a claim rather than report the actual truth. Yeah. And so you end up getting these characters that didn't feel real. But in The Wire, the reason why it worked so well is because all the characters were so multidimensional and it yeah. was so in the gray area, not just black and white. This is Absolutely. good versus evil. Well, enough about rehashing the wire. I feel like we do right, that right, all the yeah. time anyway. We, we're probably going to have to do a, a retrospective anyway because it's the 20th anniversary or something. So, right. but, but, so we run this city. It takes place in Baltimore. It stars John Bernthal and it stars, um, it stars Marlo. Yeah, Jamie Jane, Hector. Jamie Hector. Yep. Uh, and um, because it's filmed in Baltimore, I guarantee. Oh, and it stars Jay Landsman too. Uh, yes, he's back. Right. So, like, I mean, Landsman is his uh, wire character. Like, I don't whatever, know. man. I don't know the yeah. actor's name, but yeah, I saw Jay Landsman in the trailer. <laughs> look, look. There's so many people from the wire who, when I see them and other stuff, I just call them by their wire name. Right. Like, I see, I see, I see uh, Herc on Entourage. I'm like, it's Herc. <laughs> I see, I see Kima in a bunch of Kima's in Star Trek. I'm like, no, dude, that's Kima. 
And a lot of actors from The Wire show up in other David Simon shows because David Simon loves working with them. You know, uh, Bunk is in Treme. Uh, Lester Freeman is also in Treme. So, like, yeah. David Simon likes working with a lot of the same people. I and mean, there's a lot of the same writers from uh, The Wire on We Own the City. George Pel- Pelicanos is back. Ed Burns is back. So that that core is back oh, yeah. for this show. And one thing I really love about it is that all six episodes are directed by the same person. I I don't know if I'm getting his name right, but it's Ronaldo Marcus Green, the person who directed King Richard. Okay. The okay. movie, you know, about the Williams uh, sisters' dad starring Will Smith. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've I, seen that. I, I did. I haven't seen it, but I did know. I did know that he directed the series. I'm excited, man. Like it's 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 essentially. Co- I mean, I feel like it covers kind of the same ground that the wire covered but it's got it's got a little bit of a more modern lens to it because it's yes. dealing with social situations that i think are a little bit more contemporarily relevant to what's going on in society uh, i mean you see like you see race riots you see you know police brutality issues which obviously in the wire was a thing but it wasn't it hadn't blown up the way it's blown up now so you know it's gonna be really interesting to see also i mean look dude Marlo turned his life around. He's now a cop. <laughs> you know, um, it's I, I, I'm I'm excited, man. It's gonna be I, I I don't know if it's gonna be a limited series or what, but I think it's only six episodes. It's I'm only six. Yeah, that's, that's look, man. If 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 it's enough for people to like be like, yo, David Simon is is the dude, then like let's just keep it. Let's just keep the gravy train rolling. I'm very very excited for this. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, I'll watch anything. David Simon makes I, oh, I yeah, feel sure. the same. Uh, and he's had a lot of stuff in the works. Um, he's talked for a while about this uh, show um, that he has in the works about the CIA overthrowing Mossadegh, who was the prime minister of Iran back in the 50s. So he's going to keep churning these out. I wonder if he is leaning towards the limited series format because he's this is going to be his second potentially, I'm guessing, limited series. Yeah. Um, of his last three things because Show Me Hero was three episodes yeah. and now we have this, which I think seems to just be a six-episode run. But who knows? Honestly, with the way TV has been um, treated by production companies lately, they will greenlight a limited series, but if it's very popular, oh, they will throw way. the money at it to make it come back for another season or two. But we also know that David Simon is like, we also know David Simon is very much like, yo, I don't really need your money. Kick rocks. So uh, anyway, do do we have a release date? April 25th. So that's in a month, dog. We'll be talking about it. We will. Let's do that week to week. Happy fucking Easter, baby. I feel like this is a birthday gift to me. April 27th. This is a birthday gift for me. Happy happy birthday, (laughs) dog. From David Um, Simon. And the cast of We Run This City. What a... I want to quickly circle back to uh, having the same director for all six episodes. I just wanted to make the point that I think artistically, it's always really cool to see one director, you know, behind the lens. Because often, and you know this, Pink, about TV, you get the director for the first episode who sets the visual tone. 
and the, then you get a different director almost each episode, sometimes for a two episode run. Um, and then they have to follow that visual tone that the very first director set. Um, yeah. But sometimes you get like a Carrie Fukunaga on season one of True Detective. And we all remember how well that turned out. Yeah. So I think it's fun to sometimes get just like one, you know, auteur behind the lens for, for all the episodes, you know, get their vision. Um, so I'm really excited about that. And uh, to your point about the contemporary take, it's it feels like this series is going to be much less sympathetic towards police. And not that The Wire didn't show the dark side of policing. You know, you have a character like Herc who was immensely corrupt. Um, you had the whole structure that uh, incentivized bad policing over good policing. And that was David Simon's critique. And he and there was a theme in the show or, or at least like a idea in the show that there are good police like the Lester Freemans. But the problem is that the mayor needs the arrest numbers and then you know, the, the sergeant has to appease the mayor. So then it just trickles down that they say, we need you to go make these meaningless arrests instead of doing, you know, good police work. That's what they always say, right? Good police work. Um, but it feels like this show is going to have a much less sympathetic take towards police. And I'm excited for that. I think maybe it's David Simon having an evolution in his uh, point of view. Um, or maybe the trailer just uh, is, you know, showing us just a very small slice of what it's going to be about. Um, either Which, way, I'm excited. I'm just excited oh, yeah. to see the direction it takes. It's gonna be. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. I'm. I'm. I'm really. And the beauty of it is, you know, because of David Simon, it's gonna have. It's gonna have all these layers to it. Where you look up and you think, oh, it's gonna be about one thing, and then you might. You might. It might surprise you with the depths that it tends to go. Because I mean, that's how his work. That's how his work operates. Oh yeah. It's his work has tons of depth. It's yeah, it's um, impressive. You don't get it on TV often. Um, I I've heard David Simon shows described as a meta novel. That's I mean, what his stuff is. It's really yeah. I mean, look, we could we could rave about this on and on. I feel like we should save the the David Simon, you know, pontificating for when <laughs> for when this drops because I feel like we could we could literally talk for the next hour about it. Easily, easily. So let's move on to Winning Time, episode oh, three. Let's go, man. Let's go. I do. I really love this show. It's. it's I'm got, loving it. It's got a great voice. Um, it's the production, the 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 way they teleport you back in time is great. Uh, this episode it introduces Pat Riley, but before yep. he uh, it before he pretty much becomes the Pat Riley we all know and love. He's like, he's kind of down on his luck. He's unemployed. Like they won't even let him in the forum. He's got a, he's got a really gnarly porno stash, um, <laughs> you know? And so, and it, it, the cool thing about it is it's like, it makes you read up about history. Like, you know, Pat Riley was a Lakers coach, you know, he helped win championships, but like it, it makes you want to fact check some things. So you have his story where he comes in, then you have, Magic, who who leaves who leaves Michigan, comes to LA, uh, goes to a premiere with Norm Nixon, and Norm Nixon, who's like hustling and trying to has all these side hustles and stuff, 
You know, I didn't know who Norm Nixon was played by Norm Nixon's actual son. Oh, you didn't know that? I didn't. I was like, I was yeah. like, I, I yeah. was like, oh, that's really. I thought the casting was really spot on, but then that even made more sense. <laughs> um, and then, why, why does he look so much like Norm Nixon? This is just yeah, unbelievable. Like what? That's great casting. <laughs> um, but then, uh, you know, but then then we see. But I think the cool thing about this show, or the the compelling thing about this show, is that it takes these people who we know and love, and it kind of. It kind of pulls back the curtain on the things that we, I think, inherently already knew, but like to see it kind of in the way that it's portrayed, it's like, whoa, like the, you know, Magic goes to his premiere, but before he goes in, he meets this pimp. I forget the pimp's name. Pimp says, come through. And he had he goes, a one name. I think it was Zastro, right? Was Zastro. that it? Zastro. It was yeah. Zastro. He said, right. my name is Zastro, but people call me. Zastro, Zastro. <laughs> uh, you know, and so this dude like and Magic ends up hitting him up, and then goes and just bangs out a bunch of hookers, and it's like, oh, okay, like you kind of figure that's what Magic did, but like to 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 see it, it's like, oh, this is probably, I don't think that's exactly you, what happened, but you don't yeah. need to figure he did that. He said himself in an interview in 1991 that he did that. He talked about it on like a CBS interview or something. He oh, said, wow. "Yeah, I would have seven, eight women at a time. We would. I think he even said like we would have sex in elevators and here or there. So, a lot of this is not even just reported on. It is like yeah. straight from the primary source. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, you know, like he's he's has his budding relationship with Cookie, who we mm-hmm. all know he's still with Cookie." If Absolutely. So, like, is yep. is wild, and then of course you have this other subplot with Jerry West showing his like beginning uh, steps to becoming the GM that literally built the dynasty, right? And then, uh, so that's pretty cool. But you know, he he at the end of the previous episode, he he quits, pisses Doctor Doctor Bus off, but then like he's like, hey man, I think you should hire this dude Jack McKinney. Uh, but you know. He's a nobody, and Dr. Bus is set on this dude Tarkarian from Nevada who has mafia ties. And uh, yeah, that just doesn't end well for, for one of the parties involved in that, um, <laughs> especially when you get involved with the mafia at a. At a oh, at well, a we could Vegas. say we could say this then to our listeners. This is a podcast where if we are talking about a show, we will spoil it. So I'm just going to put it out there. Dirty and rotten. <laughs> um so if you want to say you know what literally happened oh no i mean well it's just i it's it's not a main character but like yeah the mafia dudes put a guy in a trunk and then they leave a card that says dr dr bus it's great it's like it's it really pushes the narrative forward uh what other? What other? Am I missing? Am I missing every any of the major uh, things from the episode? No, I think from a plot standpoint, that's pretty much everything. You also yeah. get Magic and Genie meeting for a f- meeting for the first time, and obviously, we all know historically that becomes a very close friendship. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to say, on a personal level, it's really fun to watch this show with Camille because she doesn't know the history. Oh, so she sees, she knows it. Um, in a very limited way. Yeah. She knows that Pat Riley was the coach, but she didn't know that he was a chick's commentator. Um, She knows some of the such, some of the stuff. She didn't realize that Jerry West quit at some point. Mm -hmm. And I'm watching knowing all of those beats. 
Yeah. And I read that article about the Jerry Tarkanian um, push, you know, and, and the Lakers trying to hire him. And, you know, I know about the, the Lakers pulling Riley from the booth two years later. Yeah. Um, and Jerry West would end up being Riley's co-coach. They were co-coaches at one point. So I know all this history and it's so fun to watch it with Camille, who's enjoying the show for entertainment, but also oh, yeah. like learning. It's a history about, lesson. Yeah. Learning about the Lakers in a very deep way. Obviously we know a lot of the filler is exaggerated and done to, you know, uh, drama or it's, it's dramatized. No, the, and that's I, done. I believe the term you're looking for is titillate. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely done to titillate. Um, but it is dramatized in some respects. Who knows if Pat Riley actually took a chainsaw to his ankle? Maybe he did. Maybe he did. I mean, or it was done for a really cool scene, a montage of Pat Riley taking a chainsaw to his whole garage. Yeah. Loved it. And I, th- I think it was Devon Nixon um, in the after show that said, He's not playing his father to a T, but he's yeah. playing a version of his father that uh, resembles, you know, Norm Nixon, yeah. um, but does what it needs to do, which is Absolutely. make it dramatic, make it entertaining, entertaining for the watchers, you know? Oh, for so sure. I love the balance there because there are a lot of elements of the show that are very true. The Lakers' oh, yeah. pursuit, hot pursuit of Tarkanian, Jerry West quitting, you know, he coached only from 76 to 79. Um, a lot of stuff is there that's true. But hey, we're going to make it a fun, entertaining show. And Pink, I have to say the one really, really nice and surprising thing about this show, and and maybe it's just because we had that moment where we were talking about this show and you were like, I think I've heard that this show is going to cover, this one season is going to cover all of the 80s. Yeah. If this show was that, I think it would have been a bad show. Oh, yeah. there There would be no time to let it breathe. No time to let it breathe. No time for character development if it was just montages of the whole season and then you get to the finals. That's what every episode would have been. Like episode Good one Lord. would have been the 1980 season. And by the end of the hour, Magic Johnson is, you know, winning the championship, playing center for an injured cream, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And then Which, after 10 episodes, we'd be like, oh, okay, I've seen like the five part documentary about this yeah. era but, of Showtime Lakers. So 100%. this. Yeah, so like to actually like live with these I dig historical figures as people, seeing yeah. Riley and his wife and Magic having this romantic pursuit of Cookie, like that's fun. Like that's not what yeah. you get in a documentary, right? And then so and this then is different. Course, it's doing something to, very different. To pile on to that, like there's a whole bit where uh, I mean, there's this whole like question of like, is is Magic going to be the starter? Is Magic going to do this? Is Magic going to do that? And it's like. We know the history, right? right? Like, you know Magic Johnson is one of the greatest point guards, if not the greatest point guard to ever play the game. And his his legendary performance, five positions, one game in a, in a finals game as a rookie, has never been, like, that. that's one of the greatest performances ever. In, like, of all time, yeah. Of all time. So, like, knowing that and to see how the show is building up to that, like, for people like Camille who don't really know the history that well – it's like, yo, this is you. You get invested in that. So when that does happen, they're like, oh yeah, that's why they call them magic. I think it's I, I. I'm I'm right there with you, and I will gladly eat crow that this is not uh, going to cover the whole '80s. Uh, I want more of this, man. I want more and more and more and more and more. You know what yeah. they could do, and I don't know if they have plans for a season two, season three, etc. 
I'll help them map this out. I think season two could be 1981 and 82. Yeah. I think season three could be 83, 84. Okay. And then it ends on this ho- this horrible moment. Tragic magic, losing the 84 finals, choking. And then, you know, season four is... 1985 and then uh season five could be 86 through 88 and then you could do a sixth season that's the completion of the showtime era six seasons i think you could do it in six seasons of course you can't do it at this slow of a pace where like we're we're like what three episodes in and we're not even at training camp yeah You'll have to speed it up, but right now we're getting to know the people. They're not assuming that we know who Magic is. We are learning about this characterization of Magic. It may not be 100% true to life, but I love this character. I love this oh, character. Dude, I love I mean, Quincy Isaiah as this Magic. Quincy, you know, it's Quincy great. Quincy Isaiah is, is amazing. I hope, I hope he gets to do more work, and I, I hope to peel back the layers on this too because I think he might have a bright future. But, I mean, I don't know anything about anything, so... Don't listen to me, but he. I'd be interesting to. It'd be interesting to see him do more stuff after. I this. would love that. I would love that. Um, I, but I hope he's he's doing this for six more years. <laughs> you know what? You know what's hella crazy though. Think about this, right? That show takes place in nineteen. It's seventy nine. Right now the we're other, in seventy nine. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it's crazy because the next show we're going to talk about <laughs> also takes place in the seventies. Oh, we're going to skip upload. We could skip upload. Well, I mean, well, I just feel like the segue is more natural to it is, to, and then the, the the other segue from upload to the, to severance might be a little bit more. I like that. I like that. Okay, too. sorry, You're right. just calling it audible. I love it. I love it. Let's do it. I thought you may have forgotten that we're talking about upload. No, I just I was just feeling it, and I was like, just gonna just gonna just keep it pushing. No, but you are right. We are there. HBO, I guess, is liking the seventies right now. I mean, look, dude, I I love it. Like you you've seen my fizz, dog. Like. Like, I, I feel like if I were alive during a certain time, the 70s would have been perfect for me. I don't know. I feel like the, the shirt you love to wear the most is the not that dude shirt. I don't know how 70s that shirt is. Yeah, but you come on, man. You've you seen you see my lime green pants. You've seen my crazy blazers. You've seen my shirts buttoned That's three, true. three buttons down with the with the flared collars. Like, you know what you're really trying to say? That you want to be a centerfold in the minx. I mean, no, whoa, no, 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 no. I don't want to do that to anybody. Let's let's keep that a hundred. Let's let's keep that. But yeah, no, 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 sir. So let, let's talk about Minx. What'd you think? I loved it, man. I thought it was. I thought it was clever. I thought it was witty. Uh, I thought it had something to say. I thought it was really well done. Uh, I mean, I don't know much about. I I don't really. I didn't really pay attention to who who like wrote it, directed it. Uh, but I do know uh, Jack Johnson is the shit. Uh, yeah, he's. I great. love Jake Johnson. He was Nick in New Girl, and I really enjoy New Girl. In fact, right now it's the show that I'm watching t- to go to sleep to. I, oh, Camille and yeah. I always have that show. Um, we have a rotation of shows, but right now we're on New Girl, so we play it and then we fall asleep. Also, and he's so he was, funny. He was also Peter B. Parker in Into the Spider Verse. Oh, cool. Okay, I didn't know that. You know, oh yeah, he was Peter Parker in, in the Spider Verse. Like it's it's, and he was also in um, Tag, which is actually a really he, good movie too. I really enjoyed Tag. I thought that was a fun time. That was a, yeah. that was that was one of my recommendations on on the on the last generation of uh, Buttered Pop, by the way. And I think that's why I watched it. 
if I'm not mistaken. I, it was, and we had the we had the see, man, still making good recommendations <laughs> that just pop up. That's what we do. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed this show too. It felt very effortless. It was light. It was yeah. funny. You get invested in the characters. Uh, by the way, I looked it up. So it's created by Ellen Rappaport. Uh, she doesn't have a ton of writing credits. Six. Um, but the one notable one to me, at least, is Clifford the Big Red Dog. Ooh. Um, so it looks like this could be the breakthrough project for Ellen Rappaport. Um, Ophelia Lovabond plays Joyce, the main character, mm-hmm. uh, the person who comes up with the magazine, or at least half of the magazine's concept, right? So, um, so but yeah. what, is, what is the magazine's concept, sir? The original magazine concept. What was it called again? The 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 uh, feminist uh, manifesto forget. or something? No, it wasn't that. It wasn't <laughs> that. <laughs> the feminist manifesto. Um, uh, I, I mean, know. that would be a good title, honestly, but yeah. it wasn't that. Uh, I'm gonna Google it right now. Google. Do the Googles. Do the Googles. But I'll say so. While while you're doing that, I mean, it's she comes well, up with this idea. I'll just dive into the to the plot. If that's yeah, cool. Yeah, into the plot. So uh, she has this idea for, for a magazine that's pretty much it's, – it's, uh, it's, it's very heady, very intellectual, very discussing women's plight in the 70s, right? But it's also coming from this perspective, as we find out, that's a little bit closed-minded. And, the, first, uh, the first magazine title was The Matriarchy Awakens. Oh, God. Yeah, I was way off. My bad. <laughs> no, it's all good it's all good but yeah no and so she so if that if that title doesn't give it away i mean it's very sort of like it's very uh how do you say it's it's written almost like a it, i feel like it would be the equivalent of a term paper in magazine form um you know very very intense articles and whatnot and so she goes yes. to this she goes to this pitch fest and she she gets shot down by all the big the, all the big magazine people, Condé Nast and and all of them. And then the only guy who gives her some time is uh, Jake Johnson's company, who they do porno mags. Uh, and so he pitches her on this idea of taking her idea but sexifying it a little bit and really trying to like narrow in what women might want in this. And she's so opposed to sexifying it, she wants to keep it. In her own vision, not realizing that this guy who's been making magazines for years might know a thing or two about a thing or two. And it's really cool because they immediately they set up this dynamic where he is uh, – Jake's character is, um, is like um, – he's revealing that he's more than just the smut guy. And he's also like helping Joyce come out of her shell as a woman. And I think that those character arcs – uh, I, I'm really interested to see how those grow out. Um, also, it's just that there's it's so full of like quirky side characters. I mean, like you have the cast of this magazine. Like, there's an exchange at the beginning where um, Joyce comes in, and Joyce is really uptight. You know, like she goes into this. Uh, she goes. She meets. She meets. What's the dude's, What's what's his name? Doug. Yeah, she meets Doug. Doug and his assistant, this black lady, and there's this hell of funny exchange between the two that I was like, oh man. This is like I laughed out loud. Like she was like, um, so his assistant's name is Tina. I think she has been hilarious in the few scenes and lines that she's been given, and also um, Joyce's sister. 
who I've seen in a lot of things. Yeah. She's, she's been really funny. Yeah. She, she's hilarious. And then um, That's a just this is a good point that I feel like these char- these smaller characters, these smaller roles, yeah, are hitting it out of the park with all the few opportunities they've been given. They're not going to be ever I think these like super multi-dimensional fleshed out characters necessarily some will and some won't be but they don't need to be though they, right all they need to they do play is their roles they just need to be these one hit like look it's it's going back to a basketball analogy right not everyone's okay. going to be the guy but like every team needs every team needs a robert Ory. every team needs a punk ass rick fox you know what i mean like and i'm already seeing like from the beginning of the second episode i couldn't finish it but i watched yeah. like the first 10 minutes the uh centerfold coordinator i can already see a character arc developing oh, with yeah. her it's, because, it's amazing right like she starts off as this seemingly not too bright you know yeah. uh maybe vapid person and you know she does a little bit of this centerfold coordination here or there two days a month apparently and she also does some um nude modeling right yeah but then in the second episode we see her start to challenge the themes of these like nude magazines that have like I guess certain extreme like uh, narratives or I don't know how to put it like I think what was it like sc- like snotty school was, girls getting it was, punished. It was a naughty school girl <laughs> setup, and right. uh, and like she was like, but what is she being punished for? Right. She, it was. It was. But it's mean, the it, matriarchy awakens. Right. I think yeah, that was like. Uh, it's, the symbolism um, was there. I think it was oh, yeah. the magazine title playing out or like the magazine substance playing out in real life. So Joyce is getting a little bit of what she wants, which is that that when the people go to the magazine for the men, then the women will also read those investigative pieces. What she was wasn't she talking about like she wanted to go to Planned Parenthood and do some investigation and mm-hmm. you know, like uh, talk to women who have been like sexually abused. She wants, like you said, these like very substantive pieces she wants these serious feminist articles yeah. but then jake johnson's character is like well we're gonna sell them by including these photos of naked men now this is hilarious because we were watching this and we were quite ready for what happened um <laughs> while while they're you know a dick montage bro there was a whole lot of dicks which i i think it's fucking hilarious of all like, shapes all sizes bro. Ages, sizes, angles, man. Right, right. <laughs> that was my favorite. Was the was the one like going way left, and all of their heads just tilt. <laughs> oh man, dude, it's a whole lot of digs, bro. I thought it was fucking hilarious, <laughs> right? And like, oh, you know, and, and I think, and I think Joyce's character was also like an audience surrogate, right? Like in the same way that she wasn't ready to see all that for her own character reasons. I think as an audience, I don't think we were ready to see that either. Um, but, uh, it's, it's really cool, man. And, and, um, there's, there was a scene where, uh, one of the, there's a guy who comes in to be a centerfold. He's a fireman, but he comes in with a shirt. He's shirt cocking, right? He's got, he's got his coat on and nothing, no pants on. And there's an earthquake and he jumps on top of Joyce to save her from a fallen lamp. And then, uh, Joyce is like really getting into it. She's like enjoying it. She's like, oh, she's aroused. She's aroused. Yeah, she's, she is feeling the funk. If you know what I'm saying. And then, um, you know, like, and then that was like this really cool moment where you see her start to really put two and two together and get kind of what Doug is trying to get her to tap into. 
Um, so, you know, I'm, 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 I'm here for it. And their episodes are half hours. So it's not a whole lot of an investment to get into. Yeah. It's very digestible. It's very funny. It's very lighthearted. It's very well written too. It's very well written. I I really, really, I really enjoy the writing. It's, um, it's authentic, but, but it also feels natural. It's less of like, uh, it's less, it's less, uh, Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, not monologue after monologue about yeah. why the patriarchy must be dismantled. Yeah, which we understand. You don't need to say it that out loud. Although she kind of—that's her shtick. They make fun yeah. of her for it. They make fun of her. Like they always say, like, "Yeah, you're really fun to hang out with." Because every time she turns something around um, yeah. on them into like, I don't know, they're being sexist or they're not treating women fairly. What they were at the bar at the end of the episode, I think, celebrating. And I forget, like, I think Jake Johnson says something. Do you remember what it was? And then I do not. She challenges on him on it and he goes, you know what? Maybe you're right. But like, just have some fun. <laughs> yeah, I do. It's, it's good, man. I, I, and it's, it's really good. And also, man, Jake Johnson, he's like, he's pretty, he's great in everything he's in. I feel like I, everything I've seen him in has been really, really enjoyable. So I, you know, Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. This is, this is a cool show. It's a cool so, show. A very, very quick take. We don't have to spend much time on this. I just wanted to throw this out there because I started to think about it after um, getting 10 minutes into the second episode. And it has nothing to do with my enjoyment of the show. Um, But I started to think, how long is this show going to last? And then I started to think, huh, it's interesting that I'm thinking about this because I think it really speaks to the landscape of TV. And what I mean is that when we were growing up, like 90s and 2000s, the expectation was every TV show was going to try to run for as long as humanly possible, right? Yeah. No matter what it was, drama, uh, sitcom, and the good ones would usually last like eight, nine, or ten years, right? And yeah. the bad ones would end after two seasons, but not because they wanted to end <laughs> after yeah. two seasons. And not necessarily bad ones, just the ones that didn't become popular, right? The right. bad ones, the ones that unfortunately uh, didn't get enough you know, didn't get high enough ratings, like a Freaks and Geeks, for example, like now a very critically acclaimed show. A Firefly. They just ended after a season or two, but not because they wanted to. Okay, fast forward to today. Now shows are made with the intention of them only being one season. And for me, at least as a viewer, sometimes that that, um, dimension does color the way I view a show. What I mean by that is that you have a mayor of Easttown, for example. They, they present it as a limited series. You know it's a limited series. Um, for that show, uh, it, it matters a lot because it's a murder mystery. So there's an expectation that by the end of the season, we'll eventually figure out what happens, right? Um, but I found myself thinking about Minx. Is this going to run for three seasons, five seasons, as long as they can? Is it is it a limited series? Because I feel like in a way, they're really moving fast in terms of the trajectory of the magazine. I mean, by the end of the first episode, I mean, even our main character, like you said, the audience avatar, Joyce, she's saying, this is moving too fast. Like, we need time to develop the magazine. By the end of the first episode, the Minx's, Minx magazine's already created. Anyway, it doesn't mean the show is bad um, or uh, this is necessarily a problem. But I, I do wonder, you know, where it's going and for how long it's going. I just just a comment. I I I find myself doing the same thing. 
mm-hmm. um, when I watch a show. Um, and I, I really feel like it's a weird dichotomy because there are shows, right, that like they're only planned out to be this long. But because of that, their quality is typically a lot higher because they, mm-hmm. they, they know how they're going to tell their story. And then people clamor for it. It's a catch-22. And they're not so, dragging it out too, right? Yeah. Like those but, shows but, used to do. Yeah. But because they're so popular, they want them to come back. Conversely, there are these shows that they have planned for fucking for four for a five season run, right? Like, and they they tell their story piecemeal with with that in mind, and it doesn't get past season. It, it get canceled in the middle of the second season, and it's like you know, there's this inverse relationship. I feel like, and I think I think there has to be a sweet spot somewhere, right? Like, someone needs to come out with a show that's planned perfectly for two seasons. Right, mm. but tell a cohesive story for, for for the first season, so that like it's almost kind of like you got to look at it in the way they make movies, right? Like or the way they should make movies, where if you're going to do a trilogy, each movie should be able to stand on its own instead of being like a, a literally just a kind of like a, the way Dune was a continuate, like a to be continued. Right. Literally, it didn't tell a cohesive story. You know, it told enough. It told part one of a story. You know what I mean? Like, and I think I think the it's going to be interesting to see. Who can dial that in? Because right. like, you know, it's um, obviously we live in this landscape of more and more and more what's next, what's next, what's next. But it's also important to really dive in and sort of like deliver quality too. I and agree. A, and deliver a cohesive story. And I like that idea of finding that sweet spot where they're going in not with the idea of a limited, not with the idea of going the full distance of five, six seasons. Yeah landing in that sweet spot that would be interesting like like a two season run right Mm -hmm. that like you tell a cohesive story and then boom you finish and if it's if it's really clamoring you leave room to tell a fucking uh a two-hour movie at the end and just done if that's been done it's been done so rarely that it's not on either of our radars it's really not done very often kind of like how in the 90s and 2000s limited series they happen like band of brothers but almost never happened yeah. it almost never happened back then now they're all the rage they're, well i mean but it's all but it's also look at the landscape right look at the way we consume media we don't right. consume media the same way we used to 20 years ago 20 years ago everything was on network tv or cable and it was like how do you generate and and it wasn't like you know there wasn't this like the idea of binging a show didn't make sense because people still went and bought fucking dvd sets right you know what i mean so like or or you had to go tape it yourself Right, DVR wasn't even a thing, so you couldn't just bank all your episodes. You know no. what I mean? So, but now it's the landscape is so different, and I I really feel like no one has figured out how to to properly do it. But agreed, you know. Speaking of a show that has not figured out how to properly do it, ooh, um, no. <laughs> ooh. okay. I I have to say I'm not I I can't be the lead on this Uh, i've only watched the first episode of the first season of this next show we are going to discuss all i can say is i did not like it at all but pink you've watched the first season and i'm assuming some of the second season yeah i'm i'm I'm, I'm a few episodes into the second season show called upload um i it's really funny because like it's um it's done by uh Gary Daniels, no, uh, Greg Daniels, who, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, what else did he do? He did, did he do, uh, I have to look this up. I don't know. I feel like he did, 
The Good Place? Produced The Office. Ah, he produced The Office. There we go. I knew it was something like that. I produced it was one- Parks and Rec. Okay. Yeah, like it's it's um his pedigree is like really good, right? So that was like that that boded well for me. Um but it stars it stars Robbie Amell, Andy Allo, um shout out to the homie Josh Banday. Um yeah, man, and it's He it's wrote about- one episode of Seinfeld back in 92. <laughs> man, you know, he's he's so he's not he's not necessarily uh, a slouch, but anyway, so it's about this guy who um he gets killed and and this is world where you can upload your consciousness after you die to live in an, live in an, a digital afterlife. Um, and so there's this whole conspiracy around it surrounding how he died, why he died. And when he, mm. when he shows up in this digital afterlife, he doesn't remember the circumstances behind his death. And so there's this conspiracy that's built up, you know, and he kind of has to uncover this mystery all the while falling in love with his angel, which is pretty much his handler mm-hmm. played by Andy Allo. Um, and I don't know, like, I, I really liked it. I liked the humor. Um, I was intrigued by the, I was intrigued by the concept of a digital afterlife and seeing how that was visually represented. And I, I feel like the way that technology is going, we're not, we're a long, we're, we're a lot closer to that than I feel like we might realize. The metaverse. Yeah. The metaverse, <laughs> man. And, and, and this maybe sort of, I need to give it more time, Pink. I just did not vibe I mean, with the first episode. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like, I, I definitely feel like it's one of those shows you probably have to sit down and watch more than a few episodes. Um, but it's also the, the other thing is like, for me, I watched the first episode and I had to watch the second one. So like, if you're already at the point where you're like, eh, it might not be for you and that's cool. Um, but I, I really, I mean, I enjoy it. I, I enjoy it a lot. Um, it's it's fun. It's it's like it's fun. I think I think what turned me off about it is it's at least in the first episode. I thought it's like really tropey, and you have these characters that are doing exactly what I expect them to do, and I just don't find it interesting. Like the the vapid girlfriend who everybody hates, right? Because you know she doesn't have a personality outside of, you know, being this like trophy girlfriend and they're, they're in the car, right. As it's driving. And she's like, Oh, you really have it. You really have your car on pedestrian priority. I have mine on occupant priority. And for our listeners, if you haven't seen the show, what that means is because they're self-driving cars, you can apparently adjust the setting (laughs) to either make the car run as occupant priority which means that the car may hit a pedestrian if there's yeah. a pedestrian walking because it will just try to keep the occupant as safe, safe as possible the occupant in the car pedestrian priority means that the car is going to do everything it can to make sure a pedestrian isn't hit it, it just like i just thought a lot of the lines are just super cheesy i thought the overall presentation and concept was getting a little cheesy but yeah you're right there are these like interesting elements to it his memory being deleted because he's this programmer and what and that lends itself to that conspiracy, right? His relationship developing with the angel. So there's some seeds being planted that maybe if I gave it more time, I would like it. So far I'm out. So far I'm out. But I'll give it another shot. That's fair. I mean, you know, it's look, I get it. I get it. It's it's fine. But it's also an interesting segue because I feel like it's the it's the exact of, I feel like it's the other side of the coin to the next show we're going to discuss severance Severance. okay um are you caught up i'm fully caught up yes um what do you think now that you've seen five more episodes 
it's just it's trippy, man. I I don't I don't I, again. I'm still very much like in this realm of I want to know what's happening. I'm not sure if I like it. Like wow. I, I I like I'm I'm intrigued and it's very compelling, but like it's. You know, and, and for the record, it is a dystopian show. I, like I was watching, I was like, "Oh, it's definitely." It is not a dystopian it's show. Totally a dystopian show. You it is have, not at all. You have a, you have a, you literally have a figurehead who's a faceless figurehead who runs a society, right? It's not you a have, society. <laughs> all right, bro. There's a, there's a, but there, dude. Of, usually, of the, okay. Of the, I'll just say most dystopias on, are on. like apocalyptic world they don't necessarily have to be like the the one of the caveats is that there's this there's a faceless there's a faceless authority figure who no one ever sees right and another trope of a dystopia is that like the people who are supposed to be enforcing the rules are actually breaking the rules right um which which you find out in in severance is happening a lot what i was saying wasn't that it didn't have these themes that you're talking about yes it literally does obviously have a big bad boss and, and yes the big bad boss is breaking the rules um but what i was trying to say which you you did fully fully dismiss is that the outside world outside of work does feel grounded in reality and not apocalyptic and you were like no no no, it's a dystopia it's a but, dystopia but, but it does there, there's 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 hints of dystopian shit right there for example there's no food or, or there, there's a if there's something going on with the food that they have kind of haven't really broken into. Um, I'm talking then, about in the outside world. Yeah, that's what I I'm talking you're... about in the outside world. They they literally mention there's like there's no food or something like that. Like when no, they go to a restaurant and they yeah, have... but but there's a there's a part in the first episode where he's literally they're talking they're talking with like it, it's he's talking with his sister and her brother and their friends. And they mentioned something about food that made me think that there's like food shortages around the world. That also ties into this dystopian vibe that I'm picking up. But no, I mean, so I, as far as I'm concerned, like the mystery of it is really, it's, it's so interesting because, you know, it's, it, it's a really, it's a really satirical look at this whole concept of work and life balance. Um, what if you could turn your brain off what if you could turn your brain off when you're at work from all of your outside world and vice versa? And so, you know, but then, but then that means you would have a whole separate different life that you're, that the person at work had no idea about. So the, it plays with that a lot. Um, and I think that that's leads to some compelling issues. And then, then there's some stuff that starts to happen where you realize that like the rules that, that we thought were kind of rocking, you know, like, Oh, you can only really do this under, at the at the office building on, underneath a certain floor, come to find out, there's you can actually do this outside of the building. You can do it whenever they want, right? Um, and and then it's you know Patricia Arquette's character is like the middle manager boss of this group of people, and uh, you know there's a there's a point where she has to go out in the real world and be who she is, and um, but she's her boss person outside of work. And that kind of threw me for a little bit until I realized that that was something that they could, that the middle managers could do, right? So, I mean, there's, I feel like Severance, it's, again, the mystery of it is 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 very, very compelling. They do some interesting stuff with Christopher Walken and and, uh, and Mr. Totoro, which I think is, uh, I think is really cool. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm it, loving the development of their relationship. It's uh, I'm, I'm curious to know like what their, what their relationship outs- is outside of work. 
right? Because like, you know, are they, are they something outside of work? Are they actual, like, are they actually married outside of work? You know what I if, mean? If they are, they wouldn't know. Yeah. Um, and, that, and that's, I'm, you know. I think what would be more compelling actually is like John Turturro has a wife and kids. Christopher Walken has a wife and kids and grandkids considering his age. Um, and I think that would even actually be way more compelling because from what we know outside of, in this outside world so far via Mark S is that he has had no point of contact with anybody in his office that's severed. The only person who he's had a point of contact with is his boss, but she's not actually severed. Um, but PD, they, he didn't know PD in real life, right? Who was his best friend at work. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I find not only the mystery so compelling, which it absolutely is. Um, what are they doing there? We can tell like MDR is meaningless to them. It's about feelings and picking out numbers. What does that mean? What does it even do? Um, they don't know. Um, so that's obviously so interesting. But I also find just those like ethical questions unbelievably fascinating. These people in the office do not have human rights, but they are human. They are people with emotions. And you see that play out in many different ways. Obviously, John Turturro starting to fall in love with Christopher, Christopher Walken and vice versa. Yeah. But also, the way that they start to develop their own lore and their own history because people crave history. People crave storytelling. They, so crave, you see, they crave connection. Exactly. So Zach Cherry's character, for example. He's really invested in, in the history in a different way than Turturro. Turturro is very invested in sort of the Bible of his world, his consciousness, which is the, the Lumen Manual, Kier's Handbook, right? But Zach Cherry, he's much more interested in the innuendo and the, the other mythos, yeah. which is the uprisings, the coups. There were these battles ages ago, and it's just funny to watch because – you know, as viewers, we can tell that none of that happened, obviously. Yeah. And, then, and then also, but it, it's, it's funny you mentioned his character because one of the things that one of the craziest things that kind of had me like, like kind of like switched, kind of like flipped the script on me was it's, and this is kind of where things kind of started to like, oh shit, okay. He's at home with his kids and then they cut to his kid counting to a thousand or some shit mm -hmm. and he's in a closet. Right, and then next thing you know, he's he 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 gets severed to his work person, and then um, the black dude, I forget his name, Milchik, Milchik comes up and he's like, "What did you take, or what did you do, or something like that?" And it's like he stole this like really important um, yeah. graphic or something that they but, were creating. But the whole thing was that he could be severed at home, right? And then his kid comes in and is like, "Daddy," and he doesn't recognize the kid. He's like, "Wait, I have a kid." And then, and then Milchik, he says, like, Milchik was kind of a dick to the kid. I'm like, oh man. So like, it posed, that's, that's going to complicate things, right? Because now Zach Cherry's character is going to wake up next at work, right? Yeah. And Be he's like, going to say, I have a kid. Ah, and then, and then of course, you know, like it makes me wonder about Milchik, right? Is he, is he not severed? Is he like, or is he like, you know, what's his deal? So it's, it, it's again, it, they, they're compounding all these mysteries on top of each other, which I think is really awesome. But I, I wonder if they're going to be able to stick the landing, right? Because they have so many balls in the air at this point. And there's only two episodes left. So like three episodes. I thought, I thought it goes up to, to nine. Nine. 
I mean, seven, eight, I, meant, nine. I, meant, I meant eight. I'm sorry. Okay, so yeah. it goes up to nine. So three Go episodes nine. left. So there's still a lot of balls in the air, man. Like, I, so I hope they can land it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm definitely curious to, to see how it, how it ends, and I'm going to watch it. Um, so like, but it but, seems like the show didn't really do it for you. If through six episodes, you're like, eh, then I mean, it didn't really do it for you. It, nah, it didn't, it didn't hit me. It didn't Interesting. Hit me. I feel like it does seem like you're so invested in the mystery yeah, and I mean, you're so compelled by the concept of the show. So what, do you know what it is it about the show? It's not honestly, I think, I hitting? think I, you know what, man, I, I feel like visually I, I was actually telling Sarah, I think it'd be better as a book. Um, sure. I, yeah. I, I probably it, most things would be better as a book. Yeah. It, I feel like it's, it's visually, kind of monotonous they do a couple of cool things here and there but i i I need some i I don't know i need something a little bit more visually arresting and i think like you know they you can only do these white hallways so much (laughs) you know um i love the white hallways because to me it reflects their blank consciousness so to me i think it's just such a brilliant choice but i know i could see what you mean in that if you spend too much time at work it could be too monotonous but at the same time i think that monotony plays to their daily work lives every day they're going and selecting numbers on a screen that they don't know it means and i know that and i know and i know that's part of the i know that's part of the metatextual context but it's still very much like it's also a visual medium and like for me personally, I, I think I think it's just not like it's like it's as the the to me it's almost as joyless as the monotony of the work. Mm, wow. Um, but okay. that's but you yeah, know, I well, mean like that's, yeah, that's it's look, it's it's all good, man. Like I yeah. I, I like you know I I like I like saturated I like saturated colors I like creative I like creative sort of visuals like something that is just like I don't know it, it's it's definitely something that I'm kind of like I think I think that's what it is like because the the story is fine the acting is fine um, but there's that particular part that's like eh, it's a little bland for me. Wow. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. Well, we're gonna check back in at least on the story elements going oh, forward. Yeah. I hope for sure we can, um, we can we can we can pontificate yeah. about 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 theories later on because yeah. I, I think that's the the cool part about this show for sure. Yeah, and, and I personally think it is visually stunning and arresting. And we talked we talked about that in my elevator pitch, which is uh, that I love the bifurcation of the visuals. Yeah from the workplace to the outside world. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I really do find the set design of the workplace incredible. I love Severance so much, and I feel like this is going to be the next like succession where it's the show that like everyone is in on. Interesting. Um, I don't know about that. Well, well, you know the one thing I think holding it back? Apple TV+. Plus. Really? Apple TV. Well, Apple TV Plus doesn't have as big of a subscriber base as uh, HBO or mm. Netflix. So I think... I don't know if it could reach the masses as well as Succession did or yeah. as well as a lot of Netflix things do because not enough people are on the platform yet. Oof, I don't um, I don't I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't I I think I'm going to have to take a different approach to you on this one. I don't think I like it's it's good, it's but it's it it also feels very niche. I disagree because I think it you know why? 
because I don't think it's joyless. I think the Rickon thing adds this comedic element. I think Adam Scott's delivery in both the innie part of him and the Audi part of him is really hilarious. And Zach Cherry, everything he says is insanely funny, like laugh out loud funny. So I, I could see it. And I think it's got those succession elements. Succession is like a dramedy. Yeah. You know, a dark, a dark comedy. A dark dramedy. Yeah. Um, but still very funny. Like almost every line and every other line in succession is laugh out loud funny. Um, I think Severance brings that so it's not just too heavy all the time and too dark. It's still it still brings a little bit of levity to the table that I think could make it a show that's very popular. Because usually very dark, dense shows aren't very popular, like a wire. Even though the wire was funny at times, but not yeah. that the wire, la- the, the, loud the funny. The wire had some funny, funny moments. Had some funny I mean, moments. You know what? Well, I'll just we we will time will be we'll, the we'll judge see. of this one. We'll we'll, we'll revisit yeah. this one and be like, what happened? Whose prediction was well, right? And here's another question: Is this limited or is this going to go on? I don't know. I, I mean, actually I, have no I, idea. I feel like I feel like most Apple TV shows they're 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 baked in with multiple seasons like okay. attached. Like All right. even even shows that like you're like, how are they going to follow this up? They managed to do it. Yeah, like, and I think that's something that they've done really, really well. Like, I actually love. I don't think there's been a show on Apple TV that I haven't watched, that I haven't enjoyed. Even things that's like not really my 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 cup of tea. I'm like, this is really fucking good. And the stuff right. that is my cup of tea, like for me, for all mankind, you know, I man, that's like it's so brilliant. Um, so, so if it has more than one season, then we could really see. If it's a limited series, we'll never really yeah, know how big I it could mean, get. I, I, then the other question kind of comes like, for me, it's like, how do you, uh, for me, the other question, like, it kind of goes back to what you said about Minx, right? Like, how does, what does the second season of the show look like? Right. Once you, you know, reveal the mystery, yeah, where it, does the show go? Like, once you reveal the mystery, is it, you know, how do you, how do you really keep, it's kind of like, uh, what was it? It's kind of like the Matrix, right? Like once you broke down what the Matrix was, you really kind of didn't have another bombshell to drop like that to, to make sure that the second one was the same and the third one was the same. So it was just like, at this point, you've kind of played all your cards and you kind of just have to play live in this world. So it'll, it, I'm, look, I, I don't... There is a succession way to do it, which is the, the formula of give you a little bit but leave you on a cliffhanger. And that's what succession has done at the end of every single season is that they give you something uh, end of season one, they give you a good something, but they also leave you on a big cliffhanger end of season two, same thing. End of season three, same exact thing. If they I go with to, that I formula, to, I need to, I need to get up to date with the Roy's man. <laughs> I need, I need to do, get up to date do. with the Roy's, but <laughs> that's um, another catch up moment. Oh my God. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, man, I think, I think that's it. dog. I think we knocked it that's out. That's it. And April's coming up, which means we have a million shows. Atlanta, Russian Doll season two, and and the uh, first and we own the first city. week of April, the master returns. Dog, Michael Bay comes back to the big screen with Ambulance. Oh, I haven't even heard of this. Okay, I'll have Bro. to look up the trailer. Oh yeah, the ma- the the master returns. All right. Well, um, we don't have the lineup set for next week, but I'm sure it will include winning time and possibly severance. Yeah, and, po- and probably minx. It could. I mean, theoretically, we can maybe we can we can do we'll kind of like we can do brief brief little rundowns and then get it. Yeah, 
We'll see if if anything new comes out between now and next week. We'll talk about it. For sure. Um, all right, Pink. Where can people follow us? At, at butter, butter butter underscore pop. pop. Boom. Where can people follow you? You can follow me on Instagram at not that dude. Follow me on Twitter at not that dude with zeros instead of O's. Uh, you can where can follow they find you. You can follow me at arm in your feed on Twitter and Instagram. Boom. Bam. Um, and after you do all that, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done it already. Yes, sir. Subscribe, follow, like, share, comment, all that good shit. And join us next week. Holla at your boys. Peace.